Hello, good people, and welcome to this is uh, episode, well, it's season 12, episode 7 of the Brunswick Beer Collective. I am Chris Shorten. With me is Carl Campbell. Good evening. And with us is Jeffrey Chi. Morning. Um, and as you would guess, we are on completely opposite sides of the world right now, um, and we're still in Australia. Jeff is somewhere in Europe. I'm in uh, Estonia right now. Of all places. But, um, <laughs> um, so, this week's episode, we're going to talk about something that happened quite recently, which is kind of, kind of a big deal, I think, or at least it is from the Australian beer industry perspective. It's this advent of the new independent label thing. And it's, it's the sort of thing that um, I feel like uh, I know that it had been brewing for a while, but um, it then suddenly appeared out of nowhere. I don't know. What, what do we think about this? Thing? Um, I, I think it's a good idea. I'm yet to see it implemented by anyone. I've, we've had... We had the independence guys drop in at Beer Mash the other day and drop us off a roll of stickers that they said we should go around and label every independent beer we had in the store. Which, I feel like that makes him sound like the Gestapo. Which is a good idea in theory, but it's also a lot of extra work. <laughs> yeah, surely I would have thought it, it should be like down to the, you know, the brewers to sort of do that in their own labelling. It, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me, to me for the, each location to do that for each beer. Yeah, I think I think they want to retroactively put it into place, but that idea is probably out of their hands. But uh, I, I I admire their gumption. I didn't know that they were doing that. I just remember seeing um, uh, what did I say? I saw the uh, I, actually I saw one the first can ever that has a label on it that I've seen is the Old Wives Ale's XPA. Yeah. Um, uh, which is like the brand new thing, and I'm guessing that that's like. I mean, the thing I find I find funny is that I remember talking with uh, the guys from Coke Inspirators once because I always had this um, bugbear about how many um, dots there were on the uh, were on an ellipses on one of their their label for the butcher, and they kind of joked with me that um, every they would uh, the um, the only time they'd fix it is when um, and they reprinted the labels and they reprint them every six thousand or something. Yeah, I have, I have seen a lot of pictures of uh, one of my friends just started working for Bentspoke and was at their warehouse, which had about 30,000 empty cans in it, ready to be filled. <laughs> right, so it's going to take a little while to roll this out, is, mm. is kind of the, uh, the, the short version of the story, I think. Yeah. Mm. But it is entertaining. Jeff, what do you think about the whole thing? Um, I mean, so I think it's sort of my thoughts on sort of whether, sort of, you know, the whole set. I mean, we kind of talk about the other thing at length, so I won't go into that. I mean, I, I think it's a good idea too. I mean, I think that people, um, you know, I think that there are very legitimate reasons why people want to specifically support um, independent business, and I think you know, having a way of designating um, you know, beer as such is is absolutely fine. I think you know, for for that very reason, you know, I mean, sort of obviously. You all know my thoughts on sort of my whether I would sort of happily drink good beer made by sort of an independent mm. brewer or not. But I, I do think that you know, if the breweries want to use this as as a selling point, then I, th I think it does need to be put on you know on them to be the ones kind of implementing this scheme rather than expecting sort of small businesses to sort of um, to bear kind of the, the the brunt of 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 that. I mean, I guess the other you know 
flip, the, the flip side of that is, you know, then it becomes self-regulating and, you know, people then have to, you know, be trusted to do the right thing. But I think that if, you know, if, if a so-called, you know, non-independent brewer were to put the label on there, that, you know, the uproar would be quick and visceral. So I'm not too worried about that, really. But, which, I mean, I feel like uh, based on what we've seen from all the, um, the beer threads and things like that, it would be really entertaining for a brief moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> be a lot of fire. Right. Although, I guess then, then flipping, yep. flipping it one step further, because um, uh, I remember speaking to someone when it, all, when it all appeared about, because apparently there's even labels for venues. Like, really? Yeah. Oh, right. I haven't seen anything about that. But no, that was, would that, that was, be about contracting taps? and? I guess so, yeah. I mean, I don't know how you'd pull it off, really. Yeah, because it's always hard. Like, you've got a lot of people that... Like, I've worked in venues where we've had a contracted tap, mm. but then the flip side to that is there's two to three to five independents. Yeah, yeah. What, did, what would that be classified as? Is that still an independent venue, or is that someone who like, is classified as non-independent? I think it's it's got to be it's got to be a ratio thing, right? I mean, like you know, if you've got more than a certain proportion of your taps, you know, not contracted, then I think you can call it that. That would be the most sensible way. I, I agree. It can't be like a hundred percent. That's just silly. Hmm. Right. Uh, I I would assume is it grape and grain that has the thing that the moment anyone gets bought, they just kick them out of the place. I assume maybe they made a label for themselves. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, personally, I just feel sorry for. Uh, I think there was a lot of backlash when the and when the label first appeared, just because of the, um, like, it, it, uh, I think the real the design challenge is trying to fit the word independent into a really short space, short area. Yeah, I'm not the, I'm not the biggest fan of the design. I like the idea and that it will mm. become a shorthand for people choosing their beers, but yeah, design wise, I'm not the biggest fan. <laughs> well, I did see. Uh, 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 when who is it? It's one of the one of the breweries that uh, came out for Good Beer Week, and they had uh, the American Independent Brewers Association logo on their um, bottles. Yeah, but they had um, broken down independent into like uh, basically three lines, and I, I figured that's kind of the only other way you would do it. But it looked like a very similar logo. Yeah, or you go to indie or one of the one of the shortenings of the word. Mm, mm. Yeah, well, you do it like circular, like around the outside of like a circular label or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, make it make yeah. it a proper seal. Right. Give people wax <laughs> yeah. stamps and shit. That's right. Just not just not wax bottle tops. Just please, no more of that. Thank no, you very the, much. For the love of God, no. I mean, I would actually like to, and uh, we'll we might. Um, Badger, our friend Clint, who um, designs all the co-conspirators labels and does uh, Froth magazine, see uh, see what he would do if he was tasked with doing that logo. I think it would be quite interesting. Mostly in that I'd like to see what the hell he does with the word independent. Yeah. So I mean, True. so I mean that's that's like the that's like the local angle for it, I suppose. But. Um, how, I mean, obviously, there's the the Americans have the, the Independent Brewers Association, which is like a hilariously stacked word. But um, what is the rest of the world doing here? Well, I think it. I'm not sure what it's like in the UK, but it's 
the independence label brings up these weird questions like the gauge the gauge road situation like mm. are they independent because they're on the stock market just like you look at the UK and you're like Brewdog are they independent mm. they have what something like 40, 40 to 50 percent of them is private equity yeah but it's not private equity yep. from another brewery so like is that still counted as independent I don't know the answer that's uh, and, and then you've got um oh, then you got like was it was it was it Beavertown who got like minority bought out by Heineken or something yeah so, like that. so Beavertown so, yeah. is still majority owned by yeah. um what is it Logan Plant who is Logan Plant Robert Plant's son what from Led oh, Zeppelin. that's right. I was told about that ages ago and I completely forgot about it. Yeah, so <laughs> there, there's been a massive blow up from that through there. The Beavertown extravaganza is coming up in three or four weeks and Cloudwater pulled out ten weeks before it and all the fans basically lost their minds because they were going there to try Cloudwater beers. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, did you have tickets for that Beavertown thing? I did not, and I'll be back in Australia by then, unfortunately. So, um, but uh, I don't know. You can try. You can try cloud water beers everywhere in the UK. I'm not really sure what the big deal. I mean, maybe people are in like weird shanty towns where cloud water, but in London at least, anyway, cloud water beer is all over the place. Maybe in like some of these, you know, <laughs> esoteric locations or something. But yeah, I mean, I don't. And maybe it's just I'm just not as engaged with the scene uh, in the UK. Obviously, I'm there half the time, but, you know, I, I don't, you know, and I, I drink a lot of craft beer, but I don't spend a lot of time uh, engaging, you know, with people who actually, you know, like brewers and stuff like that. So maybe it, it doesn't seem to me like it's as big a deal, but I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure it is. I mean, people are the same kind of everywhere. I'm sure that, they, you know, if you, if you engage with the craft beer nerd, then you know the independence thing is a really big thing, and they lose their shit the same way when some one of their you know one of their local favorite local brews gets bought out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but yeah, but it, it certainly hasn't sort of come up in like you know labeling and, and stuff like that. I don't kind of reach that point. Hmm. And I think it's uh, I think it's interesting of Cloudwater, like they they clearly value their independence, so they've taken a hard line stance that they just will not be involved at all in that a beer festival that is run by someone who is partially owned by another, by a liquor conglomerate. Yeah. Even if it oh, it's is. like what Jester King did to Wicked Weed. Yeah, true. Hey, wait, wait. Um, I, I can't remember that story. Uh, what happened? Oh, basically, when, um, when Wicked Weed got bought out, Jester King basically sort of came out publicly and said, you know, we will never collaborate with them. I think they pulled out of the festival be collaborating with them on. It's a pr- pretty much similar similar kind of story. I guess it's a well-worn path. Yeah. And Brewdog, Brewdog definitely has done it quite a few times. They had their, uh, oh, was it? They did a redacted beer that they had made with Ballast Point. Um, All right. And, yeah, they were... The plan was to barrel age it for three years, and during those three years, Ballast Point was bought, so they still released it, mm. but it was Brewdog and redacted. <laughs> God, I mean, well, well, I never, I didn't even think about um, um, how that all plays out in terms of, uh, you know, um, 
Um, if if halfway through a um, you know halfway through a, col- a collaboration brew, it's suddenly like, ah, actually we got bought out by someone else. Do you still want to collaborate? With us? I mean, how often does that happen these days? I don't know, but also, does, do you immediately pull your name? Like, what if it is being brewed at your mm. is your facility? Yeah. yeah, at your facility is. Do you have to write up a contract when you're doing a co- collab brew, or is it just kind of in good faith? It, it always seems like all collaborations are essentially all in good faith. So then in that situation, do you just chuck their name off it and go, <laughs> look, that's our beer now? Mm. Let, let's all move on. I don't know. But, uh, all right. I'm yeah, in... let's, I mean, obviously there's, you know, like it also would depend on, you know, who's, you know, contributed what to the process. I mean, if they've, you know, contributed, you know, half the ingredients and the labour and the ideas and so it, it makes it makes it difficult. I mean, independence is a um, shaky road. All right, all right, flipping this one step further. Um, with the whole, with the new independent label, will, uh, do you think it's built essentially just for, um, well, just for basically um, crafty idiots like us? Or do you think um, it will take charge as being something that everyone looks for? I think they've built it not essentially for craft beer people I think it's a it's a good shorthand so you can market that to people that want to buy Australian owned stuff or state owned stuff and they yeah, a lot of us are clued in as to who sells and when hmm. but you know, the every man who's buying his pirate life or you know, thinks it's still a South Australian mm. brewery, might not know that. But if he, the seal starts popping up and it doesn't start popping up on the beers he's buying, he might think about, oh, now I'll get this. Or, you know, the, the fake craft beer that I'm buying from Woolworths that they market <laughs> as being made in Hawthorne, but it's made by Woolworths. Um, yeah. wait, 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 I always wanted to ask that question because I was at Woolworths the other day and looking at that fake craft beer and I was thinking to myself, what is, firstly, is it any good? And B, where, who actually makes it? It can't be just two guys in a factory in Woolworths. Uh, no, it's just, it's contract brewed out of a factory in Hawthorne. So <laughs> basically all the Coles and Woolworths stuff is made out of the same brewing warehouse mm. and just bottled with different labels. <laughs> It all looks like very generic sort of labels. Oh, yeah. They're like, well, we'll chuck a man with a twirly moustache on this because people with cra- in craft beer have twirly moustaches and, you know, like people riding on mon- mon- uh, oh, <laughs> uh, petty farthings. That's what I was going for. It's kind of like what have we always suspected about, you know, VB and Emu um, Export and Forex that they were all sort of secretly made in, you know, some some secret brewing facility like in the middle of the Alice and then just sort of port it out to each of you know, the, the cities with different labels on it. Look, I, I'd like to think that there's, there's if, it, if it's made in the middle of the Alice, then there's just one, like there's a pipeline that goes to all the major cities that's just yeah. full of um, the exact same beer. Oh, no, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's sent around like Coke is at um, McDonald's in like big just yeah. sacks of <laughs> syrup and then they mix it with water and that becomes VB. That That's was, why it was so easy to turn VB back from 4.5% back up to 4.9%. They just you know, added a little bit less water to the syrup. 
Jeff, what what do you think about the, the label? Will it um, keep the punters interested? Will it keep them away? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Carl's right. I mean, I think it's absolutely. I think it's the people who it's least useful for is the crafty nerd because the crafty nerd kind of knows all these things. They don't need to be told um, the answer to the question. But yeah, I mean, like the whole maintenance Australia label, the whole Indomie. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it will. You know, I think it will stick. I think it'll be useful. I mean, I think if people want to use it as a as a marketing point, then they are welcome to do so. And I think that there are people who will genuinely be influenced because you know. Um, not to denigrate one brewer over another, but you know, if I'm choosing to buy an American pale ale, say, say, so, yeah, so let's go to the everyman question. If I go to um, Black Art and Sparrows or, or wherever, and I want to buy an American pale ale, and I have like you know 20 options, and you know some of the, I, I have my favourite, you have your favourite, but for the large part, they're not massively different um, in sort of taste or style or even composition. There might be a hop different here or there, but then if you know if it helps someone to go. I want to buy the truly independent, you know, made by people who own the thing. Then, then I think that's fine. I, yeah, I suspect I suspect it will, it will probably stick around because you know, if there's one thing that we've sort of learned over time is that you know, the level of wankery increases and becomes become more over time, and it's a, it's it's an irreversible process. So what do you do? <laughs> um, that may be the quote of the episode: uh, the level of wankery. I hope so. <laughs> But and I guess it's going to be that it's going to be for all craft beer drinkers. It's going to be that thing of basically che- uh, keeping the keeping breweries and checkers to if that they do if they do fly the fly the independent flag, um, making sure that they stay independent or at least making making sure that while they still fly it, they're still independent. Because I feel like we're going to get percentages ki- kicking in really quickly here. Hmm. Yes, agreed. We did have the. The Independent Brewery Awards mm. last week, and I believe the main quote that came out of that was "fuck selling out and fuck Trump." <laughs> <laughs> That's They're cool. sad but strangely accurate. <laughs> so, I think we should leave it there. And uh, Jeff, I'm not sure if you can hang around for the next bit. I know you have stuff to do, uh, but we're going to go off and drink some independent beer. Sounds good. I might dial off you guys. Good to talk to you. And we are back. And as promised, uh, we are going to have some, well, some independent beer. Or at least beer that we assume is independent. I did suggest another beer, uh, which was... Well, actually, I suggested uh, North End beer that they have here, and then Carl kindly pointed out that it doesn't actually apply because they're from New Zealand. Yep. Uh-huh. Only a showing for the independent label. At this point, I guess. Yeah, for the start, at least, I guess. Right. Well, you know, they haven't printed up enough stickers to put it on the label. <laughs> but once they get more stickers, then they'll be cool. So, uh, what do we got? Uh, we have the Bruni Island Brewing Co. 2018 Fresh Hop Harvest Ale. So it's a uh, India Pale Saison. Uh, I think I believe it's the same Indian Pale Saison that Jeff and Paul were talking about that they had when they were in Hobart. Oh, I I, I like this angle. It's kind of a um, damn you bastards for going to Hobart. Yeah, um, but now we get to have the beer, although no, not the cheese. So no, that's awkward. Um, we can't win everything. Well, I can't know. Can you buy Bruni Island cheese here? 
Surely. Yeah. But we don't have it now. It's a good point, yeah. We are cheeseless right the second. Um, sans cheese. Mm. So, um, what is the deal behind this beer? Um, uh, so, does it have a description? Does it have anything? From the few pictures of the bottles that I can find, just seems to be a galaxy hopped uh, New England style <laughs> India Saison. Because everything's got to be hazy nowadays. Have we pushed the New England thing a bit far now? Um, I mean, uh, is it just, just, just mean that it's hazy, huh? Is that just like a selling point? Or do you think it's a piss take? Well, I think from the, from the uh, initial thing, like New England basically meant unfiltered and that it was low bitterness, which most saisons tend to be already. Mm. Yeah, I see your argument here. So is everything, every saison retroactively a New England saison? I, good point. <laughs> um, for, for those out there who are making saisons, um, my suggestion to you is suddenly start calling it a New England. So, um, I don't know, first sips, what do you think? It's nice, it's definitely got a lot more hops than a standard saison. Still got the, like, that banana, estery, mm, Belgian mm. sort of style flavour that you get from most of these beers, but it's a word that I hate using when describing <laughs> beer now, but it is pretty juicy. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not sure if that was, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm cool about that. Uh-huh. Um, but it is kind of juicy, yes. I, I, do, I do support this notion from a, in an abstract perspective. Um, yeah, I, I actually, look, just first sips, I quite enjoy yeah, it. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> like, uh, my, like my first sip turned into a gulp, which I'm very okay with. Hmm. Yeah, certainly I, I don't tend to rush towards a Saison as, my, as a regular style of beer. I've had a few recently that I've really liked, but hmm. I tend to, tend to steer away from them because I... They're just not my style. I don't like that banana, bubblegummy sort of flavour that you get from most Saison and wheat beers. Actually, I completely agree. I usually don't look for, look for Saisons for that exact same reason as well. It's just like something... I don't know, may, maybe the palette's changed. Maybe... Because uh, in the past, I feel like I would have looked for it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I certainly think at the start. But in saying that, when, when I started drinking craft beer... My palate was very, very young, and I also hated sour beers, um, which is definitely not the case now. No, no, no. Okay, so then, what do other people say about this? Uh, so we've got uh, Ian M at Mollymook Beach, which I'm assuming is in Tassie. Fresh, tangy, spicy bitterness underlies a bunch of fresh, earthy green flavours. Four stars. Nicely done. Uh, we've got Gregory, who a location unknown, and he says, uh, like eating, like eating mandarins, pineapples, and peaches in a barnyard haystack. Dot dot. Not only two dots, not three. Um, while drinking a Belgium Trappist, spicy, fruity, and a little funky. He had four stars, um, and he in the photogenic brew badge. But his, uh, um. Uh, so, as uh, from what I can tell, um, it was uh, 
Gregory um, had this beer purchased for him for his birthday by Phil B. And Phil B can tell by uh, tell by Gregory's hair that he's been rolling in a haystack. <laughs> Good work, Gregory and Phil B. Cool. So Neil had this at the Bruny Island Beer Company. Uh, Brook. Uh, what is it? Nice contrast with the juicy hops and farmhouse funk. Interesting beer, three point seven five. Right. And I think they've they've kind of nailed that with the whole mention of the farmhouse funk. Like yeah, that, that's that's the bit that like kind of shines through, as well as a bit of New England. It definitely cuts through. Um, oh, here's a couple of unfamiliar faces. Paul Christoph had this at the Bruny Island Beer Company. I, I know that guy. Yeah, he gave it three point five. And Jeff also had it, but as Jeff is known to do, he does not comment or give any ratings. <laughs> um, none of that surprised me. Oh, the beer baron or the beer bee has had it um, at what looks to be his house, um, but he didn't give a comment at all. I just wanted to comment because, you know, um, he posted. Oh, okay, so, but the friend he posted it with, um, Michael Y, um, at Manly Skiff Club of all places, theoretically. Um, I suspect this is all made up. Purchase of Bucket Boys, long for more Galaxy. Well, this it's not as outrageous as you might think, because Ian M, purely by chance at Wayward, saw it was on tap, and it was even better than I thought. So they had it on tap at Wayward Brewing Company in yeah. uh, Marrickville. That's pretty cool. Was, and he gave a 4.25. Um, uh, Brendan M in East Gosford has said dry, funky with a lovely bitterness Um, and that's he gave it four and a half wow Uh, Ian L had it at the Royal Albert Hotel he said if there weren't better beers on tap I would have happily had a schooner of this four stars which begs the question if that was a four what were the better beers on tap Jesus I mean uh, yeah, what, what else did he find? I'm not sure if I want to know, really. Um, all right, Jake F. Uh, um, had it, it doesn't say where, but it looks like his house. Um, esters and yeast is definitely the dominating flavours. Backed up with some, some piney hops, but could do with a little more fruit. And good bitterness, and little was LIL, which was, it's kind of nice. Purchase bucket boards. Uh, 3.25. Right, give me one more, Carl. Sorry, I got distracted seeing trying to find what the better beers were. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that, that's a fair quiz. Martin M also had it at Wayward Brewing. Smooth, sexy, three point seven five. Good work, Martin M. I mean, I wouldn't describe this as smooth or sexy. I guess smooth, possibly, but look. Everybody's got to go on a go out on a limp with, on a limb with um, their descriptions yeah. these days. Uh, here's a here's a good one. Ro- Rowan T. I find this beer not overly cohesive. Three, <laughs> which I think like you know coming into it, it is vastly different. If you were after a saison and you got this, mm. this is not. Yeah, this is not the saison that you were looking for. <laughs> Thank you, Obi-Wan. Uh, all right, I'll, what do we think about this beer? I really like this. I could happily drink a lot of this. Where usually I have, if I have a Saison, I'd have one and be like, cool, did that, it was nice. 
let's move on to something else, get something that it's going to be a bit smoother, a bit more to my palate, but I'd happily go back for a second glass of this. Um, I, I probably, I mean, I really like it, but I probably wouldn't go back for a second glass. I, I really enjoyed it. It's got like, but it, but I guess it goes back to my own, um, you know, you know, I don't still don't enjoy that much that bananary taste. Yeah. Um, but I, I still acknowledge it as being quite a, a, a quite a well put together beer. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give it a. I, I, the problem is I wouldn't give it a three point. 3.5 because I think it deserves a 3.5 but I probably wouldn't drink it again in a hurry but I'd probably drink it again. So maybe it's 3.5. Okay, go for it. I would also give it a 3.5 and I think it jumps enough to mm. get to a 3.75 but I'd easily drink it again. Good work, Brittany Island. Uh, we will be back with one more independent beer. And we are on to our second beer, and it's our second independent beer, at least we assume Mr. Banks is a second, uh, is a independent beer. Uh, we haven't seen the label, and we didn't do any due diligence, which I'm okay with both of those things. So this is the, let's see, what is it? Is the Wheeze the Juice. And you probably would have, uh, if you've been around any sort of bottle shops in Melbourne, you've probably seen the label for this. It's this really cool sort of, cartoony drawn thing um, I don't know how you would describe it looks like some sort of um, maybe looks like a very 90s like skate cartoon oh so uh, though it's a very 90s skate cartoon of say a um, it's a it's a guy at a you know, uh, sorry in front of a it looks like a slushy machine mm-hmm. oh yeah I see the 90s boy. yeah, yeah. um it's rather, it's a rather cool label. You would not miss it if you saw it. Hmm. Um, I mean, it probably could use of an independent logo, but that, what are you going to do? <laughs> so this is a, if you hadn't guessed from Wheeze the Juice, this is a New England IPA. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Um, it's this style that people are doing. Um, look, I'll just let you guys um, do some research. So <laughs> according, to, according to Untapped, it is uh, described as juicy, cloudy, hazy, Vermont, Nipah, call it what you want. We call it delicious. Contains lactose. Um, I don't know if the contains lactose was added later on as some sort of like, um, hey, you know, we've got, uh, we, we need to tell people about this, the lactose part. Um, Potentially, it's been a thing that's popped up that I never really thought about, but I got a couple of couple of friends who come into the the bar that are vegan, mm. and oh shit, yeah, that they can't have the lactose, mm. and it's actually been a point of contention with a couple of things where you're like, they definitely have put mm. lactose in this, but they have not mentioned it. Well, maybe maybe this is the trigger. Maybe that's the reason why they mention it. Potentially, like it's. Mm. Over here, our uh, food labeling is, it's not as thorough as it is mm. in the US. It's not to the point of like, oh, if someone does this, well, they're <laughs> going to sue you. So in your candy bar that is all about like having peanut butter in it, you have to mention that it's got nuts. 
Otherwise, <laughs> someone can sue you. It is kind of absurd when you break that one down. I believe that was... It was Snickers that was the first one that had to do it. So Snickers that everyone knows has nuts in it. It is, like, listed on the front of the package. You can see them on the front of the packaging. Someone tried to sue them because they had a nut allergy and they had a Snickers. <laughs> but, you know, that's just trade dress. That's not actually... Um, that's not, that it's, it's, it doesn't actually have nuts. You're crazy. Yeah. You're nuts. That was a bad joke. <laughs> I, I totally regret it. So what, what, do, what do we think of this beer? I've had it a few times. Hell, I had it on the weekend. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's like almost peachy to me. Oh, I never even thought about peachy. Yeah, like almost like a peach iced tea kind of sweetness. I, I can see that. I mean, the thing for me is that it kind of... All right, all right. Um, uh, so prior to this point, I had no idea it had lactose in it. Yeah. Now that I do know it has lactose in it, that's all I can freaking taste. Yeah, you can definitely get that. But, but you know, if you'd asked me that on the weekend when I was having this, I would have like, uh, or uh, I would have not said lactose. I would have said, this, oh yeah, it's a, it's a Nipah, because everything's a Nipah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of strange. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a, nice a fan of Mr. Banks doing Nipahs. They hit it pretty consistently mm. in actually being what the style is supposed to be. Their, their new one is amazing. What is their new one? It's called Hazy State. So oh, it only, only came out about I've, a week ago. I've seen ago. that can label, yeah. But yeah, they... Chris really knows what he's doing up there. He isn't imitating a style he hasn't had before. He is, he is making New Englands that he knows taste like the ones from the States. That's kind of cool. Yeah, because I think that, that tends to be a bit of a problem with New England IPAs out here, is that a lot of people that are making them haven't really had enough of the product to, to replicate. They're sort of going off that, oh, you want it to be low bitterness, you want it to be hazy. And mm. that's the two descriptors they're taking away, but they're not. Yeah, they're not. I they're mean, not doing they're the research getting... prior to the... That's a really interesting point. And I guess, you know, we're always going to get more um, poo. I mean, on, on the weekend, because uh, uh, as, as you'll um, realise, we're recording this early because I am running off to Indonesia. But um, on the weekend, I had a Christmas in July thing. And someone had, someone uh, for the first time had their first Nipah. And they just lost their shit. It was a matriarch from conspirators yep. and they just sort of like oh Chris I mean they, they just came back about four times to say how good that beer was well it just did just come in on it's released on Thursday so it was oh yeah hella fresh yeah it, it would well, it was it, it was from Black Hearts it would have been incredibly fresh so we've we've digressed quite a lot or we've normaled quite a lot so let us talk about comments what are people saying about this uh, Laurie M had this at Hudson's Road. Haze with a sweet tang, one of my favourite Nipahs that ranks with the best. When a man loves a beer, cradles the can in his hand, <laughs> sips slowly, 4.75. <laughs> I, I, I love the extreme um, sort of, um, you know, loving descriptions. Um, uh, th this one, all right, this one is, 
Uh, this one's from Glenn at Saving Grace. I don't know where Saving Grace is. Hang on. Uh, Saving Grace is a secret bar. Wait, wait. What? Okay, okay. What? Can you tell us about the secret? Yeah, so there... Wait, maybe Saving Grace is upstairs, but there's two bars which are run in tandem, and one is called Saving Grace and one is called Fall from Grace. Oh, and you go into you go into one of them and you pull it. Like yes. it is a small bar, but then if you go out the back and pull one of the books, it opens up to a like downstairs cocktail bar. Yes, I've tried to get into that before, and they were closed to renovations, which is which is awkward. And now I think to myself, well, maybe that maybe it wasn't there at all. Yeah, maybe I just pulled the wrong yeah. book. But let's be honest; it's probably happened. So this is Glenn at Seven Grace, and they obviously had the Weezer juice on tap. So uh, Glenn commented, even better on, t- even better from the tap. And Craig B has toasted this, and uh, okay, <laughs> and um, he has commented, I'll be surprised if I'm allowed back in SG after Gabs. <laughs> um, so clearly, whatever Craig B did at Gabs was not. Uh, sorry, what if he did it Saving Grace post Gabs was probably not um, not his finest hour. Yeah, look, well seeing a, seeing some people after Gabs it was mm. a it was a messy night for all. Oh, I saw the photos of you. Oh. <laughs> no, well that was just the royal wedding. <laughs> As you do, of course. So, all right, uh, who else has said stuff? Uh, well, Carl S brings up a big, good point. Another nice sneaker, some spice, behind maybe mango. And that actually points me in a, Like, this does give me hints of, like, the mango milkshake from Green Beacon. A lot less astringent, but Ooh. it definitely, like, takes me back there. Damn it. Uh, you always bring up... I mean, you had to... Uh, I've, uh, I've told you about my quest to try and... Similar to the Moosey quest that I spoke about a few weeks ago, but um, my quest to find the mango milkshake after the one time we all had it at Boilermaker House, and it just doesn't exist. Um, no, it disappeared too quickly. Green Beacon, if you can send us stuff, that would be awesome. Um, but, yeah, I, I see that argument now. Um, although this could use more mango to really make it work. Oh, yeah. Um, Shane W, actually at the Alhouse Project. Uh, really fruity, nice tang to it. So smooth and drinkable. No full stop at the end, but I'm okay with that. He gave 4.5. Jesus. There's a lot of people who are giving this high, high ratings. Uh, so, Wilton. Apricot conserved, ripe mango aroma, silky body of apricot and mango, sweet yogurt, hot bitterness that brings a pineapple tang. Tropical. Purchased at Carhorn Salads, <laughs> 4.25. That covers a lot of ground. Yeah, I know. And I didn't even know Carwin would have this. But I guess they could, he could have bought the can. Yeah, it when I think been. When I think Carwin, I think of the, like, the tab list. All right, um, let me do one more. Uh, okay, so a lot of people haven't commented, which is just rude of them. Uh... All right, I'm, uh, I'm going to um, bring this one up just because it's not actually... Uh, adju- just because, you know, he hasn't commented, but Dylan B, check this beer in at Booper Aged Care Nursing. <laughs> um, I didn't bother to check where it was. But um, S, who ha- seems to have some sort of... Uh, I don't even know what that label is. I think that is... 
That's a brewski label. Oh, brewski label. Because you've drawn a lot of them. Yep. Um, uh, He said, wow, golden nectar. And four stars. Which wheels us back around to what we think about this bastard. I like it. It's really fruity. Hits a lot of the points that I like about the style. I'll probably give it a... Probably 3.75. Ooh. I can, I can see that. I mean, I'm actually going one step further. I am going to give this a 4 out of 5. Yep. I think it's just... Uh, oddly, even despite the fact that I know it's got um, lactose in it, it's just really good. It's, like, disturbingly good. I mean, uh, different to Matriarch, obviously, which is, yeah. like, a different beast. And Matriarch is more of a, like, a, um, a pure Nipah in some respects. I yeah, guess. I, I, I or think whatever that actually means. Having had this against a lot of a lot of Nipahs, I think these are probably higher in the scale of Australian ones, but mm. then you hit the internationals, and when you have the international ones fresh, you, you, it you, reevaluates the whole game. <laughs> you mean the ones that are actually from New England? Ah, uh, yeah, those ones also, like some of the ones we flew over from, uh, from Denmark for oh. a good beer week. And, Oh, yeah, I did quite enjoy those ones. Especially that... Which one was a mango? Oh, the Servicium. Yeah. Oh. That was beautiful. Yeah, the bad mango. Yeah, I've had that... I've had that twice or... At least twice. Well, I mean, it's a good thing you had it twice because it's gone now. <laughs> I would assume all of that stuff from Beer Mash is gone. Yeah. So I am... I'm giving it a four. I think it's... I think it's superb. Um, and I don't know where that hits us... At, um, the joint rating um, Jeff isn't know. around to we need a random this. number generator too. Um, <laughs> uh, so we're saying the two um, no um, okay um, uh, listeners you can work that one out on your own yeah so an average of 3.7 uh, no 3.8 3. 3. You, you can tell none of us um, are <laughs> scholars in mathematics so I think that should do, about do us for this week we have been the Brunswick Beer Collective. We've had Jeffrey Chi from afar. Uh, we've had Carl Campbell. Evening. And we've had myself, Chris Shorten, and we'll be back next week.